Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know it's been a minute since you guys have heard from us. Life happens. Uh, yeah, just life happens. We'll, I'm sure we'll explain it more as we're going. I'm one of your host, CEO Hayes, and I'm joined by the entrepreneur, the revolutionary, the YouTuber, <laughs> the great Tanya D Radios in the building. What's going on? Ah, real niggas are real things. Hi, guys. <laughs> I miss you. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Without a dope Without podcast to listen to. Yeah. We apologize. You... Mostly me. It's my fault. I know he's going to take the high road <laughs> and be like, oh, things. It's my fault. So well, all the vitriol can come this way. It was my birthday, which is a holiday. There you so. go. And I didn't realize your birthday was that close to Mama Hayes' birthday, so that explains why we get along so well. So All right, happy belated. Is it belated, right? Yeah, it was yesterday. Oh, happy belated, Mama Hayes. Yeah, so she looks like my age, so I know. Like it it's like we just at this point she's gonna look younger than me in a couple of years. Like just if not already That's that is the joy. Like there are some women who get older who you ask their age and they're like, Oh, a woman doesn't tell. But black women who still look good can't wait to tell you how old they are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They black child, I'm 62. <laughs> yeah, black girl, I crack. know. But I know. It's not even just uh, older black women out either. Like bl- older black men are doing it too, like that are in their Same. 50s and still look like Ice Cube. Yeah. I mean, hey, Same. we age beautifully. So represent. At, you know what? Coincidentally, at my birthday brunch, our waitress was a palm colored girl. And I asked her, and I normally never ask people, but I asked her how old did I look? And she was like, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh, because black people age different and I don't even want to get involved. Yeah, I feel that. I was like, you're smart. You're a smart lady. She was like, because all I know, you know, y'all could be like 20. I don't know. I said, I respect your gangster. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, they, they, they definitely recognize, which I guess... I know we have like official topics, but it's been like a hot topic lately, and I want to ask your opinion on it. Love. Love. Lust. Lust. And that's all. Cultural mm-hmm. appropriation versus imitation. How do you feel like when you see white women now wearing the braids and everything and not kind of having that same stigma that black women had about it so long? What, what's your opinion on it? I feel like it is upsetting Okay. when um, non-black people wear traditional black hairdos and it's seen as trendy and inspiring and fashionable. And then when black women do it, we look ghetto. Mm-hmm. We look, black women have been wearing colored hair, braids, bantu knots. I mean, you name it. Black women have done it. Black girls, girls, you know, if you went to the salon growing up in the 90s, you had to get a number 11. That was with the swoop, <laughs> the pin up in the back, and the freeze curls falling in the front. So I feel like just the way that black women are, I feel like, um, one, braids and the like 
is was initially something to protect our hair. Do we still call it protective hairstyles, um, like getting long plaits or faux locks or whatever you want to call it? So it literally is to protect our natural hair. And our hair is made for those type of hairdos. So when you do see non-black people wearing Bantu knots and, yeah. you know, it get called Kim Kardashian braids. And it's like, how did she get to rebrand stuff that we already had? Yeah. So I think a lot of times there's a lot of frustration because I feel like black women are pushed into um, a certain corner. And, you know, we're, we're very creative, whatever. So we created our little corner with... Uh, our, our hair products, our natural hair products, whatever it is, we create our little corners. So it just doesn't feel good to only have this small corner of the world, basically, and it's still getting pillaged. So yeah. um, that's that. I just don't think it's it's necessary. Now, will I walk up to a beige person like, you need to take that out? No, because I already know some black girl already charged her $400 <laughs> off rip, which I can appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough the, well and like the, part of the what got this all on my in my mind is like the have you been paying attention to the thing with Ch- uh, chet hanks i and him speaking no. in the jamaican dialect and they, they oh this. tom hanks son, son. Yeah. Yeah. yes yeah, yeah i i saw <laughs> it's and, and so it just got me thinking like i think i honestly think and I don't mean to, because I know we have white listeners, so I don't want to offend anyone. Shout out to y'all. But um, I really think that generally white people don't have a culture of their own. They don't, like, how often do you hear a white person say, oh, well, my people are from Ireland. We're, we do this. Like, they don't, American whites don't have the same type of culture that European whites have because they could, they, they don't have, like, they, they, most of them don't even admit that their people aren't originally from America. So they don't, they can't have a culture or something that they're not even from I a ask place. people all the time, what is a traditional Caucasian dish yeah. outside of casserole? Like casserole beans, casserole water, <laughs> casserole. But outside of that, like, nobody really knows what American white people eat per se because all of their, uh, acute, like, I see a lot of white, middle class, high class white people culture as capitalism. Yeah, I see their absolutely. culture as power. Like, I see what, because, you know, through nepotism and all type of things, they make sure that that is, if there's going to be a religion, that's their religion. Exactly. Um, but, or culture, so to speak. But I, I don't know a traditional Caucasian dish. I don't know a traditional Caucasian song. I'm lying. There are a lot of Caucasian songs that slap. Yeah, come on. Yeah, we got we got the whole blue eyed soul era. There's some there's some white people songs that absolutely are part. Of but it's the, crazy because we love it so much because they sound like black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Nobody's like changing their accent and suddenly sounding South African. Like that don't really happen. <laughs> they always end up sounding like black people, and then we're like, what? So there's that. Yeah, it's you know it is what it is. But I love me some Hall and Oates, so I don't care that. Uh, First of all, <laughs> don't even talk about them. I have a playlist. I don't like all my Apple Music listeners. Uh-huh. Hit me up on Twitter at I am Queen T I M Q W E E N T E E and ask me for my Caucasian Box playlist <laughs> because I have a playlist called Oppressor Box, <laughs> and it is <laughs> about. Two hours of Caucasian music that slaps. So if you're wow. looking for it, holla at your girl. I love Curetti playlist. But that one is a great one because I have some classics on there that people have 
Forgotten Fallen Notes definitely make a feature on there. I need you to screenshot that playlist for me so then I can make a Spotify <laughs> version. And we, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but to get into our topics this week, this first one, I, it, it's a, I, I think it's a pretty straightforward topic, but I'm just surprised that there's a whole article in Psychology Today about it. That's what kind of threw me off. I love it. Yeah, I mean, hey, they, they broke this down. So is constant texting good or bad for your relationship? What do you think, Tanya? All right. So being in a long-term relationship, um, now, okay, constant texting really depends on the content that you are texting exactly. on or exactly. about. Because I can have four different conversations with you on different platforms. I could be talking about some video on Instagram that I DM'd you because we're communicating we're communicating on Snapchat. <laughs> We're commu- communicating on iMessage. I may tweet you here and there. So it's like all of these different platforms to communicate. And there are separate conversations on each of them, not to be mixed up. Yeah. But I don't feel like um, too much texting is a thing unless someone has made it a point to communicate that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Or some people don't need to check in or need to be checked up on that often. And a lot of times people don't have good text conversation and or etiquette. So sometimes people just don't want to communicate with you that often. And like I live with my man, so I'm going to see that nigga eventually. I know where all his stuff at. So, <laughs> so I mean, but we do chime in here and there throughout the day um, just to let that person know you're thinking of them or just check on their day um, because nobody want to go through a, a day without communicating with somebody they care about. Um, so for me, I don't think it's bad for the relationship unless someone has admittedly said that they don't like it mm. um, or you don't have any conversation going on in the text messaging. Yeah. So if it's just some um, dry ass, hey, how you been, copy and paste and do that shit every day, um, who would like that? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I think it's it's a it's a if if it's um like just genuine conversation and not done as like a crutch. Like if I don't hear from you this many times, I'm gonna have an attitude. That's where it becomes problematic. But if it's just natural, like we shooting texts from time to time or whatever, then yeah. And by the way, you mentioned horrible text etiquette. I gotta tell you, you helped me realize I have horrible text etiquette because I used to just I did. I used to just dry text you, no good morning, no nothing, and you would always respond first with. Good morning, and I'll be like, damn, that was rude to me. I didn't even. (laughs) Sometimes I'm very formal. I mean, sometimes it depends on the person. I'll just start a conversation, and I also am a multi-texter, so it could be one thought, but it's seven texts. Oh, that Um, makes sense. Sometimes I'm like that, where I'm literally just texting each one for each thought, but uh, yeah, but there are times where I'm just like, oh, good afternoon. (laughs) Not really to, to, you know what I'm saying, be too formal or whatever, but it's just like I like to greet people when I first start communicating with them. Yeah. Um, so there are times like with Marla per se, I'll just text Marla something. I sometimes I have a text Marla like two or three days and then I'll just send her something. And then the follow up is, Oh, good morning. <laughs> it was like, by the way, cool. as long as I'm <laughs> not the <laughs> right. Um, but you know, of course that just really depends on the relationship you have with certain people, but no text etiquette is a real thing. Run on sentences, girl. I, I mean, I, I like commas. Are pe- I like, Oh my God! Period. I've never learned to appreciate a period in, in long form communication so much until we started getting these emails. And it's like, all right, there's no period in this in these four paragraphs. I have no idea. 
<laughs> like you're not even gonna allow me a breath. <laughs> Inconsiderate. They don't want you. Inconsiderate. To Oxygen, who needs it? But <laughs> but you know what? You know, you did bring up a good point with the, um, what's the word? Entitlement mm. with communicating via text. Do you understand? Um, there are a lot of people that's like, oh, well, I must hear from you X amount of times. Or you must hit me up at when you get home from work. You must hit, you know, yeah. when it starts coming into some like demands of course it's gonna not make people that open to texting that often it's like okay well i'll see you when i see you because i can't deal with all the demands of when i need to be texting you back in an timely fashion like i am the worst um with texting sometimes i mean if my phone is in my hand like it's fine but then there are times where my phone is in my hand i've seen the text i'm gonna tell you the truth the phone is in my hand i've seen the text message and i agree verbally mm-hmm. and then i close out of it because i'm like oh yeah i'm just gonna go back and answer that but like after this though yeah it's always something that takes precedence and then like i don't know four days go by and now i can't answer it at all i'm guilty of that too <laughs> i uh my uh my good friend andrew bello he I wrote up a text message to tell him happy birthday and it must have been something like something at work caught my attention or whatever. And I went back and I'm like, this bastard never said thank you or responded to my happy birthday text saved in draft three days later. I'm like, damn. Same. Pretty much everybody in my life can attest to that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you you just got to know what you like. Like I said, if it's if it's actual conversation, it's not just done as a crutch, then hell, text your life away. If you're actually talking about something like somebody like me, though. Like I don't have that many words, so you got to pick. Either either we texting all day, or I'm not gonna have much to say when I see you. Like that's that's just I don't have that many words. I'm. It's like one or the other. It's one or the other. Like like my friend JB, he me and him will text all day, and then he'll call me after work, and I'm like, dude, we've been text. I have nothing to say. We to you. already communicated. I got nothing to say to you, bro. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. Anything left? Well. On this one? Uh, no, I have nothing else. You just brought up a great topic, but yeah, I just I just don't generally see it as a bad thing unless you have horrible traits yeah. <laughs> and with with texting. There you go. The next one. Oh, by the way, since you brought up like that video, of that woman in those hills that you sent me, I hate you for that. Struggling. <laughs> oh, and the things was only like two inches. I was like, ma'am. Do better. I guarantee she, when she got out the car or something like she uh, uh, just a, a too hard of a step off a off a sidewalk would have just did her in like that whole calf and everything would have been gone. You know what's crazy is that I feel like a lot of women wear busted ass shoes like they know you have to like let go and let God. <laughs> but it's like a really comfortable go-to shoe. And all my girls know exactly what I'm talking about. There are a pair of heels or a couple that like every woman has that are like mad comfortable. They're low-key getting like raggedy. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I got two more wears out of these bitches and then I'm gonna throw them away. But um, I guess that was her last wear. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> by faith, not by sight. Um, mm, I know her glutes was tight because oh, she man. had the balance. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into topic two, um, this one is: How do you deal with the end of a relationship when closure isn't an option? I have an interesting take on this, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let you go first on this one. No, I want to hear this interesting take. Here's, I, I think closure is overrated in the sense that I think people look too much that they have to get closure. For, well, in this, yeah, in the sense that you need closure from the other person, you can provide your own closure. 
it may be harder for for people but i think people get so caught up in this idea of closure and like they'll look people up years later or like they stop answering my calls and they don't know how to move on or go into the next relationship it's like look you can provide your own closure it's over with like do what you need to do to heal call shadow work people do the shadow work and then move on like you you're looking for somebody something from somebody who at times has shown they don't give a damn about your clothes. They don't give a damn about how you how you feel about how the relationship ended. So why sit there and harp on it? Like that's my opinion on it. Um, I do feel like closure is um very personal, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it. Here's the thing with closure, and I'm about to bust a couple people's bubble, but the reality is a lot of people want closure because they need to feel like there was a possibility. Um, whether that is of truth telling, whether that was a possibility that they could have worked out. Mm-hmm. They're looking for that person to be remorseful. They're looking for that person to to love them still. It's like they're still looking for these confirmations that to confirm who they were in that relationship. So I'll just say like, for, for example, the person, a couple break up or what have you, and some time has gone by. And let's say they broke up on some tumultuous terms, mm-hmm. some cheating, some, some whatever. And a lot of times, some people are looking for an end to, for that person to still fit in their lives. It's like they've been removed from them by mm-hmm. force. And a lot of times when things are just taken away from us, there is a process of grieving. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And because you associated that with your identity. Okay. That makes a lot if of sense. I'm Amy and and I'm Amy and I got married. Even when they say a married couple, it's Mr. and Mrs. his name. So a, a lot of times we get like wrapped up in these people. We think that they have these permanent places in our lives. And when something happens or you break up and you realize this person isn't as permanent as I thought, people will find a way for them to fit, even when they no longer fit. So they're looking for closure as an opening Mm. or some type of resolution to what was just abruptly taken from them. I love that. And so it's like with the Kobe thing, to be honest, Mm -hmm. there was no lead up to that situation there wasn't uh, uh you know something that gave us this is the last person you're thinking about really and truly and we think that he's invincible because he was just so avidly a part of our lives people who grew up in the 90s i would say 80s babies but grew up in the 90s like you grew up with kobe oh, you know yeah. you know he's maybe a couple years older than us in our 30s but for the most part that's like our contemporary so we grew up with him mm-hmm. and just knowing the mama mentality and how crazy he was and doing these things that's not on your mind but because it was so abruptly taken from us he was so abruptly taken there was no, oh, well, this incident happened and we don't know if he's okay or not. He's at yeah. the hospital. And that would have given us some leading time. When Tupac got shot, he was in the hospital to a couple of days. We're like, he can fight yeah. through, he can fight through it. But in this case, it was so abrupt that nobody could piece it together. So we're grasping at things. We're, we're finding videos, clips we haven't seen in years. Yeah just because we cannot process how abruptly it was taken away. It or they were taken away, I'm sorry. Um, so I think that happens in on a smaller level in relationships is that we are just so accustomed to people being in our lives that when they're no longer there, we will find a way for them to fit 
even when they don't fit anymore. And a lot of times that's, that has a lot to do with ego because you need to know that you didn't do anything wrong. You need to know that you were a perfect partner. You know, all of that additional reassurance that you shouldn't even be reaching to that person for anymore. Like they're done. Their, their job is no longer to reassure you of anything. So, um, for, for me, I think that is more of what the issue is with closure than something you can process on your own because I get how things just feel unresolved. Yeah, yeah. I love resolution. I don't care how awkward I have to make a situation so that I have res- a, a resolution. Um, but if I have determined that a person can no longer fit in my life, I can't force it. There you go. Well, I love doing the show with you. I, I love, we offer two completely different perspectives, but I, I love, I love, I <laughs> and love it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is, pretty much the same. It's more because it's like you can't. Nobody can resolve emotions that started from you. Like mm-hmm. they are part of the emotion because you put your emotions toward them, but they're not responsible for your happiness. They're not responsible for whether you're like emotionally stable or not. That's not their job. Yeah. Absolutely. Even when in a relationship, it's like it's a bonus, but it's not their job. And it's your job. It's amazing how often people in relationships put their or blame both their happiness and their unhappiness on other people and don't look at self first, right? Cool, child. Like people, child. people will literally do everything that they can to blame something on somebody else's actions, and the very last thing they do is be like. Oh, well, you know what? I, I yeah, I could have I could have did XYZ. Like you you've gone through 50 right. different things and 51 is you in your own happiness. That's the issue. But that goes it's like my brother told me a long time ago that just as far as you can see out to a star, that's how far you can look inside. It's just you never think to. Mm. And we externalize everything. It's always something outside of us. You're making me upset. Even like people talk yeah. I can't make you do anything. <laughs> like That's I have crazy. no control over your emotions. Um, you decide whether you want that to upset you or not. And apparently you decided. But again, it's just the accountability factor that a lot of people just don't want to fucking yeah. deal with. They don't want to take accountability like no one can make you react. I love that you said that because no one can make you. And that's something that I've had to learn in my third. I'm 33 years old. I probably just started realizing this at 31. I probably just started executing it maybe in like the last eight months. If I'm just being that's me putting that on me is that I look I always looked at the situation like, well, this is pissing me off. or This is frustrating me. And it's like, all right, even if I am frustrated, how I react is on me because you can react a negative way or you can react a positive way. It, there's always that option in anything that happens and when you when you make start making the conscious decision to say all right yeah i'm pissed off but you know what i'm not going to put more of that energy out there i'm going to go the positive route with it stuff just starts it starts becoming less and less of a big deal it depends like i'll be honest like that positive shit like <laughs> it works <but laughs> like like honestly just being real like it's not easy to yeah. just switch your emotions like that especially untrained like it's not easy to just flip and go, I'm going to be positive now in the rainbows and like, she's well, going to go great for the rest of the day. See, I don't, I don't even mean switching the attitude of positive because I could still be pissed off, but mm-hmm. like, but not do something to stay in my positivity. So for example, like I used to have a real bad issue with getting frustrated with something. Like if I'm putting something together and it's just not quite working, I like punch a wall or something. So I, while I'm still pissed off, instead of punching that wall, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and put down what I'm working on. I'm going to go sit my ass down and take a shot of tequila. Like that it's just it's just switching 
the method. I'm still pissed off. I'm not all of a sudden saying, you know what? I'm going to get this. Like, I'm, I'm still very much pissed off. It's just the action that I'm choosing to do something different. Huh? Um, <laughs> what I have recently learned, because, you know, I like reading and shit, um, is that a lot of times it's rehearsed, mm. right? Yeah. When a certain thing doesn't go in your perfect little world, you are used to reacting a certain way. It's practiced. Yeah. Every time an inconvenience happens, you kind of default to the same reaction. Now, of course, you get the the option, some people, to say, you know what? I don't want to punch a wall. I don't want to pay for that. So <laughs> do something else, right? But what I do, and I encourage other people to do too, is, and this comes with just a lot of just self-improvement. I just ask myself, why am I feeling like that? What is that about? Yeah. I stop asking, why is the thing pissing me off? And I go, why do you feel like that about that? Yeah. And like I, I check on myself and say, what, like, what's going on in there that you don't that, that this one little thing is like uprooting your joy that you've had for two or three days. Like you've been on top, you've been feeling good. And then it's like you waited until something inconvenienced you so you could really lash exactly. out. You ever been like over some shit, but like you're not done being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's still got to wear off. Yeah. You yeah, know? Sure. And so there are times where you're not even really mad. You're just so conditioned yeah. to responding a certain way. And so for me, I just really sit with myself in silence without my phone without any distraction and really ask myself what the fuck is that about why do you even <laughs> feel like that girl yeah. what is happening yeah. because it's something that has nothing to do with that like it'll boil down to like if i don't do something at a specific time when i ask myself why enough times it's going to turn out to i don't like feeling unimportant mm. <laughs> i don't like feeling overlooked i don't like feeling insecure and when I get to the bottom of it, I go, okay, so that had nothing to do with whatever the fuck happened. Yeah. This has everything to do with these unresolved feelings that yeah. find a new way to, to introduce itself to you. But really, it's the same emotion you had 10 years ago. Exactly. And I look at it like this. It's, it's like boxers. When boxers train, they're not training. This, well, they do train to hit harder, but it's more so... So those things start becoming reflexes, right? So they go into these right. certain actions off reflex. We train ourselves emotionally like that as well. And then we start doing things just without even thinking about it. We're, we're popping right. off at the mouth without even thinking about it because that's what we've trained, how we've trained ourselves to react to certain situations. And it's like, we got to, we got to get it together. Like, and it's, 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 I don't like to do the whole ageism thing, but it's so funny how like in your thirties, like it just starts making sense, right? It just starts, starts slowly making clicks. sense. Yeah. That light that everybody talks about, that light bulb that goes off, yeah. um, it happens. It, it definitely happens somewhere in your 30s or right at 30 where you just realize that some things just don't, that just aren't as important as you thought they were. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now you have to navigate differently. And I just hate to see like some people, like people will throw whole entire relationships away instead of dealing with themselves. Because in their mind, if they get rid of the relationship, that fixes the problem. And sometimes that's just putting a bandaid on it. And then you'll notice you're, if you're going through the same cycle in every relationship you get, sis, bruh, it's not the relationships. It's like it's plot you. twist. Yeah. You're the toxic person. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, it's yeah. you. It's yeah. you. And a lot of people know that, right? Because sometimes information help us make better excuses mm -hmm. when people are a little bit more enlightened or ed educated or whatever they have a fancy explanation for their horrible fucking behavior mm -hmm. and like oh i'm really like this because you know as a child i had some 
I don't care nothing about the psychology or philosophy of what's happening to you. I need you to just do better. <laughs> there you go. So all that's right. the long end of the short end of what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we just went all over the place, but it was all good content. So I'm not even mad at it. Uh, the <laughs> last the last topic that we got for today, uh, this one was a, another article and it just like it's, it's wild, but it kind of makes sense. Like, I know you're not a parent. I am. And my kid's 13. He's about my oldest. He's about to go into high school next year. So, like, seeing this was like, all right. Wow. But it, the question is presented in this article. Should we distribute condoms in high school? What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Why are you crazy? They're already making horrible goddamn decisions. Why not just intercept that? Like, boo. <laughs> we can just intercept that. And it's like. I feel like that's, I don't feel like that's condoning a sexual nature, but you have to understand the physicality and just natural for them to feel that way and for them to start exploring and whatever. And we were all that age before. So I don't think anything is wrong with it. Um, I'd rather them know about it and have it than not. Um, so I think it's like a, a great thing. I went to like the ghetto is black at school here in my, um, South Florida, shout out to Miami Northwestern Senior High School Bulls. Love y'all. Um, you know, the the um, Super 12, I don't know. The Dancing Dolls, they've been on um, the shade room a few times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's from my high school. Shout out to them. I but, thought about you when I was watching the hip-hop show on Netflix <laughs> because I didn't know Uncle Luke was actually from Liberty City and they were interviewing what? him yes. in Liberty City. And I knew, I, I think you did say that before, but it never clicked. I'm like, wait a second, Tanya grew up in Liberty City. So there you go. Fun fact, the Take It to the House video was at my school's gym and I was at the top of the bleachers. Clearly can't see me, but a real bitch was in the, in the building. Okay? Fun fact. Oh, anyway. man, there you go. I'm sorry, but continue your point. I got all sorry. Anyway, also fun fact, I ran into Luke uh some time like a couple years ago and i was with my niece and i'm trying to explain to her who she is mm -hmm. who he is and she was like yep auntie it's just not you said he did a... there's a drake cover we don't know who luke is <laughs> and i was like luke where them hoes at and he went i don't know <laughs> it was just what? like oh because wow. you're an adult and i'm an adult and you don't do that no more and mm. i'm sorry that's deep but, um, he was like, mm. um, but no, I think that like giving away condoms at that age in high school is, I think that's a great idea for any school to do. And I think all schools should do it. My high school did it. Um, because otherwise you would end up at COPE, which is the school for pregnant girls. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had that. It was called something different at my high school, but they had that as well. Like, you always knew when people, like, all of a sudden just disappeared. It was like, oh, she's about to have her baby. That's why she... That puffy baby fat, <laughs> little bomber jacket to try to hide the belly. No, girl had to go to cope and, you know, because so, it allows them to finish their education and whatever. And, like, actually, my sister works at that school, but um, it's sad. Like, sometimes when I used to go, at one point, uh, when I was in high school, the youngest student there was 10. She got pregnant at like nine and she had the baby at 10. And like, it's like clockwork. Those young ladies, it's like they would have another baby within two to three years, like before they graduate. Mm. And it was just so shocking because I was like, bitch, do you see how hard it is with the first one? <laughs> Why would you even? <laughs> but they're kids and they're making mistakes. And it's like, you know, so when I hear about things like this, where is offering condoms to the kids. I would prefer they have it than don't. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's better to 
to give it then don't and i think like i'm just gonna be honest i've been i've been really good at not being vulgar i'm just gonna say this one thing because if they are like the kids in my people be fucking in school like no for sure yeah so like just hours yeah yeah, a lot so But yeah, I'm so, fasting ass. I ain't got no problem about <laughs> it. Yeah, I definitely think that there's something. And you know, I, I even if they want to, I don't know how they would go about like a way of trying to regulate it or see what's going. Or maybe they don't even need to worry about that. But it's better to ha- to offer it than not because we'd be crazy to think that it's not going on. Like these whole bl- bubble of oblivion that some parents live in that like would fight this is like, all right, let's just go ahead and not pop my this. child. Exactly. I'm like, first of all, they're already fucking. So. <laughs> You're, you might as well just help them out. <laughs> and if you don't want to raise a child right now, you should equip them with some um, yeah. protective things. Yeah. So Yeah, there you go. Well, we're going to get into our first break. When we come back, we're going to read your letters. We'll be right back after this. Hey, guys, it's your girl, Beck Easy. Hi, everybody. It's your girl, Joanne. Hey, guys, it's Trell, and this is The, the team. team. And we want to welcome you into our group chat, where we talk any and everything from ABCs of sex to finding your passion. Catch us every other Tuesday on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and YouTube. Because we lit. Take that, take that. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we're back. Um, get into your letters. So the title of this first one is Help. I think my boyfriend has a sugar daddy. <laughs> so this one is, uh, I met my boyfriend on Tinder and talked on and off for a couple of years. And we finally decided to make it exclusive. Come to find out, he has a guy that's giving him money. Now he says that this is just an older friend of the family that he goes and spends time with, helps clean his house, and takes care of some other general things around the house. He pays him in cash and he always comes back with at least $200. He does this about two or three times a week. I've asked him, what is the relationship between you and this guy and how did you guys get connected? He says, oh, it's just a family friend. Nothing you have to worry about. My question to you is, does my boyfriend have a sugar daddy? Yes. (laughs) Also, what is his contact information? (laughs) Because, ma'am. I mean, I know sometimes we be in denial mm-hmm. when you love a man, but if he coming home with an extra two, three hundred dollars, like he, from, okay, so he leaves with this man, or is that what she's saying? She's saying he goes over the man's house to help him with do some things around the guy's house. So apparently, the guy's older. If uh, his house means his ass, then <laughs> yeah. I love how you always decode these. It's hilarious. I know what I'm reading. <laughs> I know what I'm, I got great comprehension skills. But um, no, I mean, if he hasn't deliberately expressed where this money is coming from, because like <laughs> he could tell him that he's doing like odd jobs for this man, which it wouldn't be a lie, right? <laughs> it's odd and it's a job because he's getting compensated. So if that's the case, then... but. Like, like I said, like it has to be explained. Like, oh, I'm going over there and I'm helping him rebuild his bathroom and he pays me. You know, if you're gonna lie, go for it, okay? Make it believable. The reason I get mad at liars is it's like, you don't even make it believable. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> I know you're lying, but entertain me. Make it entertaining. So just entertain me with the lie. Go, go there. Go the extra effort. But 
if he's not explaining where he's getting this extra cash from per se, and he's just leaving for, I would assume some hours and then come back with a fistful of dollars, I just would be very concerned. So I would just encourage to ask because assuming you know what happens there. So I would just ask, Hey, they fuck this money coming from every time you leave with so-and-so person, you come back with a fistful of dollars. Like you just left the strip club. And I'm just curious as to where this money is coming from. Maybe he's really selling drugs. Let's hope that that's what it is. Maybe he's really oh, flipping God, that will be a relief. <laughs> oh my God. But also not a relief. Cause it's like, you only selling two or three hundred dollars worth of drugs, <laughs> nigga. If you don't bump this up to cocaine, <laughs> you can't be selling be dime bags in your thirties. Like you can't if you still selling dime bags in your thirties, you fail. You gotta you gotta boost it up. I mean, come on, bump it on up, meth something. <laughs> but if you're just coming home with like a handful of dollars because you just left with Steve, that's <laughs> it's crazy. Like, Did you? Did you watch Breaking Bad by chance? So this Come is how my, on now. Okay, this is how my brain works. So I recently read that like during the time of Breaking Bad, like people trying to make their own meth in their house like went up like eighty percent. And so like there were people who were blowing up their bathrooms in the in the garages trying to make meth, trying to copy Walter White. I'm just, hey, just let me point. ask you the demographic of those people. Oh I, yeah, they were pink toed people. Okay, because let me tell you something, niggas not blowing up their bathroom. Oh, no, there's only one in the house. You're not doing it. <laughs> And you're your not blowing not up your mama's garage either. Like you're not gonna blow up your mama's garage. So especially my grandma. A lot of them live with their grandmas too. So yes. you definitely not blowing up Mima's bathroom. Mm-hmm. But no, I think that yeah, she should probably just ask, um, hey, where's this extra money coming from? See if he's gonna go there with the lie. And you know, if you don't get a straightforward answer, then I would follow him around for a week. I love your pettiness because I can really see you doing that. Just being like, you know what? Just drop a couple PTO days because you have shit to do. (laughs) And follow them around and just see where that goes. If you have the extra cash, which I don't think you do, because you actually know the amount of money he's bringing home extra. Mm -hmm. So if you have the extra cash, go ahead and hire somebody. But just to put a personal touch on it, do it yourself. Uh, my thing if you if you want to like just see how he reacts to it just say hey i know you're going over there i know you do stuff around the house how about i come with you so we can get it done faster and then we can go do something afterwards and see how he reacts to that because if he's like no no i you know i got this you can just stay yeah (laughs) you don't need to be putting your fingers anywhere girl that's my job as a man you know those memes that's like my hands look like this so her hands could look like this You don't know what his hands look I like. I mean, he does. He want to make sure that his, that his woman doesn't go in this man's crawl space. You know, that's that's what he does. He cleans out the crawl space so that she doesn't have to do it. Godspeed, sis. <laughs> we just gonna hope it's drugs. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we got one more letter. Uh, this one is a long one, so uh, bear down, people, and just sit down and listen to this story. Right? I love I love doing my little clap and ru- hand rub before I read long. Gotta say, so boom, <laughs> so boom. The uh, title of this one is My Boyfriend Has Sexomnia? Help advice. Sexomnia. Sexomnia. There you go. I don't mm-hmm. know how to make up words. My boyfriend and I have been in a relationship for four years. Throughout our relationship, I can think of a dozen times where he is asleep and I am awake. I tend to go to bed later than him. And he starts to engage in sex, wanting to do other stuff with me. His eyes are open, but I have to talk to him or shake him or laugh to make him actually wake up. 
Once he is conscious, we are both really freaked out. He is disoriented, hates that I have to fill him in on what happened, gets really upset, and apologizes to, to me. And I feel bad for him, usually telling him it's fine. <sighs> this has this people need to stop fucking with us. But um, <laughs> I thought it was something I could deal with at first, but recently I feel it's affected our sex life, and I've been retreating more. I was in denial for a while, but now I realize the person who makes me feel the safest on earth and has helped me through the worst times of my life makes me feel essentially unsafe. Nothing has ever happened. I always manage to stop him before something does, and he is never aggressive. But if I were to stop him, then something definitely, if I were not to stop him, something something definitely would. It's a fine line, but in our relationship, we always check in with each other and get con- uh, consent rather than non-rejection. We talk about consent in general a lot. (laughs) I think what makes this difficult is that because at first, because at first he seems awake. I haven't always rejected him, but our sex life has recently suffered. Rejecting an attempt at sex is also a bit delicate these days. And on top of the fear that he may not be awake is the worry that he is completely awake. And I'm assuming he isn't and making him see, see how it makes me feel. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Okay. Yeah, please, because, like, is this a real thing? Like, have you heard of this before? I've heard of some crazy shit. I, you (laughs) know. Dry humping in your sleep? I ain't never heard of it. Not even just dry humping, because it seems like he's very physical Mm -hmm. while sleep sexing. I don't know. It seems like he's very physical, and it kind of scares her, because, which is terrifying, because and that's such an intimate and delicate moment just sex and 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 foreplay all those things are very intimate and just for a person to not be completely cognizant of what's happening and you and when they come to you have to be like yeah so we kind of did it a little bit but and they're like wait what so that is a scary thing and i would just encourage therapy as i always would in a case like this because it is clear that something is repressed and something is coming out through his subconscious while he is sleeping. So while his consciousness is asleep, his subconscious is acting out in a physical way. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely something psychological that could be going on that needs to be addressed. Um, But I don't think you should just one, just outright start rejecting sex in general, because it's going to truly, truly affect the relationship on the physical level because you're going to always be associating sex with the sexomnia, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and also, there is a chance of, like, he's telling you that this is happening, but it's not true. Yeah. That's, that's the, the thing, scary part. That, as she goes on to explain, like, how they are with consent and basically saying, hey, is it like they have a full conversation before they get to it? Part of me wonders if he's like sometimes like, fuck all this. I'm going to just do what I want to do. Um right. and to see how she reacts to it, and then and when she like, starts, oh, yeah, I'm sleeping. And, and then, when, then when she then when, when she starts reacting negatively, he's like, "I'm sleep. What are you talking about? You like, just gotta wake up." Yeah. What? <laughs> Who put that? What? Girl, I didn't even do that. I tied I you asleep. up. What? Yeah. I have no recollection so, of that. I was not. That's the scariest part of the situation is that he could be awake this entire time and just kind of like faking an illness to see what he can get away with. Yeah. Now because nigga's nigga, and nigga is not race specific. 
yeah, depending on how you use it. She does go on later in the email to say that uh, he's going to a sleep clinic and that she's actually looked up sexomnia and it does seem to be a very little spoken about phenomenon. So, I don't know. Uh, again, it said, okay, so at the bottom of this message, it says, I read that this is a type of uh, parasomnia and it's not a psychiatric, but a neurological problem. Oh. Uh, we talked about this and he is feeling quite defeated that this can't be solved. Um, but once again, disclaimer, we're not professionals. Exactly. This is just purely our opinion on these things. Um but if they're saying it's a neurological problem, I don't see how there isn't a resolution. Whether, but I think that there is a resolution through therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that you understand this is a neurological problem, um, that doesn't also mean there aren't psychological effects yeah. or causes. And I, I, they said they're going to a clinic, but I think I don't know if this clinic is actually therapy. Yeah, you know what I mean. And giving them practical tools and things to do. In case that happens or keeping a diary or video recording what's happening at night, you know, whatever kind of tools that a therapist can provide, I think that would probably be the first step that I would go to. Um, But as far as Tanya's concerned, I would be strapping him to the bed. (laughs) Wait, that can mean a lot of different things. What do you mean by that? No, no. (laughs) You ain't never woke up and was restricted. (laughs) It's not sexy. (laughs) You just wake up. I'll be damned. (laughs) No. No, 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 no. You would not be ready for that. Especially if you had a pee. It don't matter. Look, nobody wants to wake up and be restrained. So um, if that's how I could keep myself safe, if he didn't want to participate in the therapy and I didn't want to break up, they've been together for four years. I understand that. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, this is one of those things that we really aren't equipped to really answer this besides just giving our opinion on it. And therapy seems to be the best route. I hate to, like, not be able to offer much more advice. I know we were cracking our jokes, but really, I got nothing. And I'm not afraid to admit it. I'd rather say I got nothing than try to cook, cook up something and you tried and it ends up back backfiring. So I'm good on it. Listen, another email. Well, <laughs> turns out... <laughs> don't need that either so you can either follow any one of these suggestions but number one in priority is to seek a therapist that both you guys trust i think that he should go alone Mm -hmm. also with you on separate days because there may also be repressed things that he's not comfortable explaining in front of you or to you, and sometimes they just need a little bit of personal time with the therapist, and then of course, couple therapy, so you guys can kind of navigate how to do that. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, uh, yeah. Love, lust, and badass. So the co-host here cannot be held liable for the advice that we give. You listening to this podcast is not <laughs> us giving you therapy. So please just listen to it for entertainment and maybe a different perspective. But we are not therapists by any means. I got my own shit. I need to get together. I got I'm time. working on it, but yeah. at the current time, girl, no. <laughs> well, that's it. We got nothing left. It's been fun. It's been. It has. It's, you can tell it's been a, a while. I've I've needed these laughs, so I thank you for that. 
I'm here all week. <laughs> so, Miss uh, Belated Birthday Girl, go ahead and give them your social media. Any parting words, anything you want to tell them before we go? Um, I don't have any parting words except um, don't give up on yourself so easily. Mm. And to not be so hard on yourself. I know sometimes we we make these personal standards that we have to make and rules and things that we have to do and accomplish. And when we don't, we are so mean to ourselves. So it's kind of like, just give yourself a break. Don't overanalyze it. You're going to figure it out. Anyway, you can hit me up on the Twitter machine at I am Queen T. I am Q W E N T E. Same thing on the Instagram. Also coming the adulting. I hate it here podcast and youtube subscribe on my youtube um content will be available soon uh podcast and youtube will be up by february 25th i have a lot to talk about great guests great content it's informative and uh it's fun so i, I am still waiting on my invite to be a guest um oh, podcast uh but you know it, it's it's no thing i actually just wrote up a topic for the awaken soul for you to guest on i was gonna wait to spring it on you here so yes you will be a guest soon on the awaken soul and it's going Me? to be yeah and it's going to be something that i'm not gonna say necessarily it triggers you but you're gonna have you're, you're gonna have okay. words yeah you're gonna have you're gonna have words okay <laughs> i look forward to that all right well I'm CEO Hayes. You can follow me at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow us collectively at Lovelust and B-A-S Pod. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, LL, well, Lovelust and B- What is our Gmail? It's been so long since I've used it. Um, <laughs> Lovelust and B-A-S at gmail.com. Lastly, you can send, it, you can, uh, send us a voicemail, 614-547-2039, and we will play it right here on this podcast. This has been it. We are the number one adult podcast around, period, point blank. If you don't believe me, come see me. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace.